If you would open your Bibles to the book of Acts, we are going to talk about baptism this morning. We've had many folks in the last couple of months follow the Lord in Believer's Baptism, and every time we do that, we have questions about the meaning of baptism. I love the story about a little boy, seven-year-old boy was baptized, and, and after it was over, his friends in his Sunday school class were asking him, what was it like? How did you feel? Because they knew something supernatural took place up there. They just knew it. So they said to this little seven-year-old boy, their buddy, how did you feel after you were baptized? And he thought for a minute, he said, well, not real good because I got water in my nose. Sometimes that's all that may happen at a baptism when you go through the motions and you're expecting something to take place in the water that really, I believe, God never intended to take place in the water. And we're going to try to look at that this morning. What's so special about this, this activity, this ordinance, this celebration that we call baptism? Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41, just to be our springboard verse to talk about this practice that we observe here in our church. Speaking of the early church, the Bible says, So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were about 3,000 souls added. That day, those who gladly received his word were baptized. Let's talk about this celebration, this observance. I just couldn't resist an acrostic. It's been a while. So here we go. The letter B in baptism reminds us that it is for believers only. For believers only. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 there, verse 41, and I could read other passages, that once they believed, once they trusted Christ as personal Savior, once they accepted Him and became a believer, a Christ follower, then they were baptized. We feel very strongly that baptism is for believers only. We don't always say believers' baptism, but it wouldn't hurt us to do that. This is believers' baptism. If you're not a believer, if you're not a Christ follower, and you go up here or wherever, there's a baptistry or a lake or a river or a pond, and a preacher lowers you in the water and raises you up. If you're not a believer, you just got wet. That's all. I hear people talk all the time trying to explain to their children what baptism is. And, and I, 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 as much as we talk about this, some of our folks still don't understand that this water in this baptistry or wherever the water is does not wash away our sins. That baptism is for a believer who has already trusted Christ as personal Savior. I've shared with you my testimony that as a little boy, I did what all my friends were doing. And I said I wanted to join the church. And I prayed a prayer with the pastor. And I walked an aisle and I filled out a card and I went and I got wet. That's all. It was later in life as a teenager that I realized that I, I had never trusted Christ as my Savior. And I invited Christ into my life. And once I had done that, the appropriate thing then as a believer was to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Baptism is for believers only. Don't forget that. That is essential. I read about a woman who bought a parrot the pet store owner gave her some instructions, and she took the parrot home and, and was really struggling. She thought, this parrot's going to talk. And so she went back to the pet store and, and told the pet owner, he's not saying a word. Well, let's try this and put a mirror in the cage with that parrot. So she puts a mirror in the cage, and he still doesn't say anything. So why don't you try this? Put a little swing in there. 
Maybe he'll swing and that'll loosen up his tongue and he'll start to talk and that didn't work. Maybe you need a ladder. She just kept going back and forth, buying props from the pet store to get her parrot to talk. And finally, she took it back to the pet store and said, this isn't any good. The parrot's not talking. And the parrot chirped a little bit and the pet store owner leaned down and listened. And the lady said, he spoke. What did he say? He said, doesn't that pet store have food? See, she left out an essential. Essential for that parrot to survive and talk to her, that parrot needed to eat. Let me tell you something. When you are baptized just to join a church, just to be a Baptist or whatever denomination it is, if that's all you do and you leave out the essential ingredient of Jesus Christ as personal Savior, you have missed it. Baptism is for believers only. Letter A. We want this to remind us that it is the all-important first step of obedience. The all-important first step of obedience. Let that one sink in for a minute. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. We know this is the Great Commission. As Jesus is about to go to be with the Father... He gathers his disciples and he reminds them that he's been given all authority and he commissions them now. Look at Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore. That tense really is as you're going. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It is a part of the Great Commission. When Jesus says, go and make disciples, you're leading them to Christ and you're baptizing them. It is so important for the believer. I call it the all-important first step of obedience. It is demonstrating submission. I've had people tell me, well, pastor, I've received Christ, but I'm just not ready to be baptized. And I say, well, uh, that's important. I don't ever force anyone to do that. That needs to be their decision. But I tell you something, that's the first thing we're told to do. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my will to you. I want to go to heaven, come into my life, be boss of my life. Here I am. What's the first thing you want me to do, Lord? Be baptized. Give me something, Lord. Be baptized. Yeah, but but what can I do for my neighbor? Be baptized. Maybe you want me to teach a Bible study. Be baptized. And we laugh, but that's not that that's what happens sometimes. And the Lord just keeps impressing. I've never heard his voice like that, by the way. But I've heard it here. Lord, give me something great to do for you so I can demonstrate that I'm a follower of Christ. He says, I'll tell you what. i got something great for you to do to demonstrate you're a follower of Christ. Be baptized. We'll talk about that identification in a moment. It is a demonstration of your submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. The all-important first step of obedience. I read about some parents trying to explain to their four-year-old who had just observed a baptism what was going on in and they struggle. Boy, it's hard with little kids to explain it to them. Uh, you know, I've learned as a pastor, I can draw them pictures. I can show them. I can demonstrate it. I can tell them every, every which way. And when they start to talk back to me, I realize they didn't get it. And then, isn't that frustrating? This little four-year-old was working on it, and his parents were trying to explain to him what had happened. And said, now that person that was up there, they were up there to let us know that they were bad. And that, that they came to God and said, said, I've been bad, I've been wrong. And, they, and that person asked Jesus to forgive, forgive them of their sins. And, and so that what they were doing there was showing people that they then They just kept trying to explain. And the little four-year-old said, instead of that, why didn't they just spank him? 
You know? No. It's the all-important first step of obedience. It is your demonstration. And I've said this before. We have wrongly substituted walking an aisle in some of our churches. And that's what we do here. We, we ask people to walk this out. We have wrongly substituted that and said, that's your public profession of faith. Well, it is, but it isn't. We'll talk more about that. But just walking an aisle and standing up before others is important. But baptism is something that shows you're obeying and demonstrating your followership of Jesus Christ. Letter P, believers only, all important first step of obedience. Letter P is for public profession of faith in Christ. Well, if I'd have looked at my outline, I'd known that was my next point. I got a little ahead of myself. Public profession of faith in Christ. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Yes, chapter 12, verse 8. Thank you. Was that my wife again? No? Thank you, Esther. Y'all help me, okay? Whatever it takes. I sure hope I meant chapter 12, verse 8. Yeah, there we go. Good. Luke, chapter 12, verse 8. Jesus teaching his disciples, he says, So I say to you, and I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before angels. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Verse 8, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess them before my Father. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 8. on page 1660. That work for anybody else? Okay. Never know. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me as a prisoner, Paul writes, but join me with the, in this suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Look at the first part of that verse. Paul writing to Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And Jesus told his disciples, you need to confess me before men. It is a public Profession of faith in Christ. I was sharing this story recently with, with someone. I don't remember who it was. We were talking about baptism. And, and uh, in my very first church, my very first pastorate, um, we led a, a boy from the, uh, another denomination, another uh, background, to accept Christ as his personal Savior. And, and a teenage boy, and, and he was excited. And we talked about baptism, thought I had explained it clearly, thought we'd explained it clearly to his, clearly to his family. And it was Sunday morning, just like we do here. The congregation was out there, and we were back there getting ready. And, and I put on my robe and was ready to baptize this young man. And I mentioned something about, you don't have to look at all the people. And he went, the people? I said, yeah, there are going to be people out there. He said, you didn't tell me there were going to be people. I said, yes, this is baptism. And we watched, oh, no, no. He started taking his robe off. He was headed out the door. I thought, how am I going to walk out and explain to these people? <laughs> well, I lost one. <laughs> I've been, I've, you know, I pride myself. I've never lost one. Um, but I thought, I'm going to have to stand up and say I've lost one. Well, I finally, I said, wait a minute, come here. Let me explain to you. He thought it was just a private ceremony because that's what he was used to. He thought it was just going to be him and me. He thought it would just be the two of us. Now, I finally talked him into it, and fortunately... I got him down in the baptistry. 
And he, he was a little bit nervous, but he saw the people. I baptized him. When he came up out of the water, he shook his head like that and jumped up in the air and dove to get out. So I think we, I think we uh, got rid of his fear of people. But I had to go over this point with him. I had to say, this, what you're going to do in a minute is to show other people that publicly you identify with Christ. It is a public profession of faith. Letter T, it tells the story of the gospel and conversion. It tells the story of the gospel and conversion. It's a little two-part sermon. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We just went through that, didn't we? I'm sorry we're going back. I heard you moan. If you're new, we've been going through 1 Corinthians for... A long time. And we were in chapter 15 and 16 a while too. Chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the gospel. We talk about the gospel. We're not talking about a style of music. We're not talking about a culture. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came, that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. Now, when a person is baptized, it tells the story of the gospel. It says, look up here and watch. Just like this person is lowered in the water, Jesus Christ died and he was buried. And just like this person is raised out of the water, Jesus Christ rose again. So whenever you're baptized, you get to preach a sermon. It's the only one for some of you. Your sermon is this. Jesus died for me. He was buried and he rose again. That's why, that's why we, we just emphasize that immersion. We'll talk about that in a minute. It, it, it tells the story of the gospel. But I also said it tells the story of conversion. Look at 2 Corinthians, very next book, chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. I love that verse. When someone dies, we say sometime they've passed away. See, when a person is baptized, there's this picture if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. When a person is lowered in the water, it tells this story. There was a moment in my life when I died to self and I was buried. But I've been raised as a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. So when a person is baptized, they get to preach a twofold sermon. Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again for me. And... When I trusted Christ, I died. And my old man, the old self, the old nature was put to death. But I've been raised and given a new life. It tells the story of regeneration. Is that not the coolest thing? I think it is. It's, it's a pantomime of the gospel. They'll replace charades and all the other variation, variations of, that are out there of that game. And they give you a certain amount of time and they say, here, here's the, they give you a piece of paper. You look on the game board. This is what you have to act out. And you have to act out something like Neil Armstrong or something like that. That's an easy one, right? 
Did you get it? Did you get it? You know what? I shouldn't have told you what it was. Yeah. Some of you are going to wish you'd been watching. What did I miss? What would he do? What did he say? It is a pantomime of the gospel and the conversion experience. It is a statement of what's already happened. Do you see that? Letter I. Immersion. Immersion. For believers only, the all-important first step of obedience, my public profession of faith in Christ, it tells the story of the gospel and of conversion, and it is to be by immersion. Mark chapter 1, verse 10, speaking there of the baptism of Jesus. The Bible says immediately, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. Now, I've heard people argue that means he was walking out of the water, but I I take it to mean he was under the water and he came up out of the water as John the Baptist baptized him. It's immersion. I won't make a a long, drawn-out discussion of this, but the word baptizo that we have transliterated baptize, if you translate it literally into English, it is to immerse. It is to place something under, to take something and put it under the water. That's what baptize means. By immersion. It's a visual image. That, that's why we so emphasize that that is a biblical mandate. Immersion. To be immersed. Because it's this picture of what happened when we were placed in Christ and Christ in us. Immersion. That's important. Read about a man who came from a Methodist denomination and joined a Baptist church. And he had volunteered and he was working alongside the other folks in the kitchen. We'll put you to work anywhere. Doesn't matter. He's in the kitchen washing dishes and and he has a coffee pot with him. And he makes this announcement to the rest of the kitchen crew. Whoop! Got a Methodist coffee pot. Well, he got everybody's attention. What are you talking about? He lifted up. It says right here, do not immerse. Letter S, it is symbolic. Symbolic. I'm glad y'all are having fun. Symbolic. Ephesians chapter 2. They're cracking me up. Hey, this is serious stuff here. Isn't laughter good? I needed that. Thanks, Joseph. Symbolic. I'm not going to call any names. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. This is so important. You need to understand that, that a lot of folks teach that baptism is essential to get to heaven. That you must be baptized in order to get to heaven. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. As a result, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. It is by grace you're saved. It's not works. Can I just kind of make it a little bit, say it in a different way? 
that, that an act that you might do externally is not going to get you to heaven. Whether it's baptism or reading five chapters a day or going to church every time the doors are open or having a Sunday school perfect attendance pin. We were at the restaurant in Corpus Christi yesterday and there were people with these badges that they, they, they were hanging down that far with all these little, pl- I don't know what it was. Do you know what it was, Andy? You saw them though. Just tons of, and I thought, well, they've been recognized for something. It doesn't matter how many pins or badges you have for stuff that you've done. The Bible says what I do is not enough. See, religion is, is due. Christianity is done. See, religion is what can I do to get to heaven? The gospel of Christianity is it's already been done by Christ. Therefore, the act of baptism is symbolic. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have, been, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so that we too might walk in newness of life. And I realize that Paul is talking about that, that, that event of regeneration to be baptized or immersed in Christ, the spiritual act. But he's taken this picture of what happens in in baptism by immersion. It's a picture of being buried with Christ. It's symbolic. We're identifying with him and what he's done for us. Baptism alone will not get you to heaven. By the way, if you want to add baptism to, to a profession of faith in Christ, you've trusted Christ as Savior, you're adding works to grace. See, Jesus plus anything is not grace. Jesus plus being a Baptist being a Methodist, being a Presbyterian, being a Lutheran, you name it. Jesus plus anything else is not faith. Jesus and Jesus alone is what grace and faith is all about. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me, John chapter 14. He and he alone has accomplished our salvation. It is symbolic. It is like these two rings that I wear on my fingers. Neither one will come off. I had surgery a while back, and they were about to cut my wedding band off. And I said, if that's what you have to do, go ahead. And I don't remember what her name was. They said, we'll get a Shirley or somebody. So we'll get, and they named some nurse. She can get it off. I'm like, great. She came in there, and she worked on that ring for a long time, and she got it off my finger. But it's not coming off very easily. Either is this one. This one, this, this ring is a symbol that I'm married to Kelly. I put it on my hand that day, January 3rd. 1981 when her father said do you take her and I said you bet come on I mean there's more to it than that but so I put this ring on my finger now does that ring make me married really doesn't does it That ring is a symbol, a reminder that I made a commitment to her. This ring on this finger is a class ring that some folks in this church bought for me. That was neat, just a neat gift. Ten years after I graduated, I got a class ring. So neat. And that that ring is a reminder that I went through the long and drawn-out process of four years of education to graduate. Now, that ring didn't graduate me. Boy, that'd be good if that's all it took, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah. But it's a reminder. It's a symbol. Do you see that that's what baptism is? That is not your salvation experience. That is not your commitment to Christ. But it is the picture. It is the symbol that now 
You belong to him. What letter are we on? M. Membership. Membership. And that takes us right back to Acts chapter 1. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 2. Membership. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So then those who received his word, again, those who accepted the message, were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Boy, wasn't that a great day? Of all those people coming to faith in Christ. And what happened that day is they were added to the body of believers. See, baptism is about being a part of a body One other passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. An interesting passage. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Isn't that interesting? goes on to say they were having the same spiritual experience of being delivered, looking ahead at Christ as a deliverer. They were all baptized into Moses. What does that mean? They didn't become Mosesites. Paul is saying they identified with Moses as their deliverer. So baptism for, for, for that, that analogy there is to say it's a point of identification with other like-minded people. For the children of Israel, they identified with Moses as the deliverer and the people of God as the called out people. When we baptize someone today, it identifies with Christ as our redeemer, as our deliverer. And it identifies us with the people of God. A place to belong. A place to be encouraged. A place to be nurtured. A place to be accepted. In our connection class this morning, someone mentioned... A family. See, that's what membership is all about. It's not having your name on a roll. It's about being a part of a body of believers. During the Gulf War, there was a colonel who had just been called to a new command, a new post, and he had his office there just been set up, and and he was trying to look like the big dog and real important. And a private walked in his office with a toolbox and he thought, I'm going to impress this private. So he picked up the phone and he said, uh, yes, General Schwarzkopf. Uh-huh. Uh, I agree. Yes. Okay, we'll talk again, Norm. Thank you. <laughs> Hung up the phone. Looked at the private. What are you here for? Uh, uh, I'm here to hook up the phone. <laughs> Be careful that you don't just go through the motions without having the phone hooked up, without being connected. See, because that's all you're doing. If you say, well, I was baptized and I'm going to heaven, don't tell me about that. Tell me about when you accepted Christ as your personal Savior. Tell me about that moment when you understood that you were a sinner and needed a Savior. When that transaction took place in your life where you said, Lord Jesus, you're right and I'm wrong. I'm a sinner, and I accept you by faith. Come into my life and be the boss. Take charge. I receive you. That's the moment I want to hear about. 
And once you've shared that, then I say, you bet. What's the next step? The first step of obedience is to be baptized. I believe, just because of my experience, that in a congregation this size, there is someone in here who has gone through the motion, much like I did as a little kid. And I had no idea what I was doing. And I had in my brain that maybe if I just went through the motions and was baptized, I'd be all right. Maybe you're here and that's you this morning. And you've been trusting in an experience like that instead of trusting in an experience of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you to receive him this morning. In a minute, we're going to bow our heads in prayer. Then we're going to stand and our worship team is going to lead us in a song or two. And if you would say, Pastor Kevin, you just described me. I've gone through the motions, but I've never trusted Christ. Boy, wouldn't it be great today to just enter into that transaction so that today you could know beyond a shadow of a doubt, not that you were a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian.